You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all natural black Angus beef and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome back to the Midweek Mailbag. We are back because you know what? The Detroit Lions regular season may be over, but we're not done. We're still here. We're going to be here maybe forever. We're immortal is what I'm trying to say here. Uh, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer of Pride of Detroit, your co-host of the Midweek Mailbag. You can find me at Detroit Online. With me as always, as co-host of the Midweek Mailbag, he is your managing editor of Pride of Detroit. He is at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. It's Eric Schlitt. How are we doing, buddy? I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling like I'm still riding the sunshine of uh, last Sunday's game. Yeah, you know what? Let's let's start there because for the past two or three weeks on this podcast, you've been craving yep. the, the the Green Bay Packers at their most desperate. And oh, you yeah. certainly got it on Sunday. And you weren't afraid of them. You didn't back down. I don't I don't know if it was an act or not. Maybe maybe you had some inner <laughs> demons. But I'm I'm gonna give you the floor here, man. You got every single thing you could have possibly wanted on Sunday night. So Floor is What's floor. not to love? What is not to love? I mean, you've got national attention now. You've got Rex Ryan going on ESPN and telling Rodgers to piss off until he starts respecting Detroit. <laughs> what is not to love about that? Right? Like it's the 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 replays on the very next day. They 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 of course had to get to uh, to um, you know the sissy boy there. But the main thing was, is that they were starting by talking about the Lions came out and they had something to, to prove. And the mentality was, we're not going to back down and we're going to smack you around and we're going to we're going to go into next season as the NFC North favorites. And people are saying that it's exactly yeah. what we wanted. And so this is a pivotal moment. You want a pivotal moment? This is it. You're going to remember going into Lambeau and just, and and when the game was on the line, they couldn't do anything. You know, you the Lions had the ball last because they wanted to, right? Like they got they went up and Rodgers got the ball and then they drew up a great blitz and 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 Glenn does something that's 
ben, that is a Ben Johnson staple where he sets up what looks like a zero and then drops Kirby and then he, he misdirects on 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 the on the, uh, on the rush which is great and Rodgers just throws a, a YOLO ball up there and uh, his his daddy picks him off right <laughs> and so Kirby's got three picks on this on the year with him that's you know really cool. I mean look I'm going to call it four he might as well. Have, well. He almost had five. Look, and let's be serious here too. Like he did what no one else has done. Like in a what only one other person has done in a career against Rogers. And he had the right attitude after the game too. I hope he doesn't retire because I want to get more picks. <laughs> like, give me, give me that energy. That's what we want, right? Like that is the energy that you want to go in because they're not scared of this guy anymore. No one should be scared of this guy anymore. I don't care about, uh, look, bye, retire. I don't care. Hold the media hostage for, for the next two months. It's great. I don't care. I'm not, I, I, I got, I can flick the channel. I can turn it off. I can stream something else. I got lots of other cool stuff to do that I don't need to focus on that. But what I will focus on is when the national attention rightfully turns on to this team because they deserve it. Amen, man. Amen, brother. Uh, yeah, no, it was it was a ton of fun on Sunday night. And thanks to everyone who joined us on our post game show, including ESPN's Mina Kimes, which uh, if you didn't see, go up over to our YouTube page. Uh, there's a, a 10 minute segment in which Mina Kimes just jumped in on our Zoom call while we were celebrating the win. Um, they, they, before we get to I know we just let you go off for five minutes, but I, <laughs> I, but I also want to talk about um, minor news here. We, we, we got Aaron, uh, Aaron Glenn. We got um, uh, Brad Holmes's post game or postseason press conference and a lot of interesting yeah. nuggets that came out of that. So before we get into your questions, just maybe your biggest non uh, Jared Goff takeaway from his press conference. Cause I think, I think we, we all know like Jared Goff is a dude now, so we can, we yeah. can move on from that. Like we don't have to have our quarterback hold us hostage this off season. We're good there. <laughs> so, so outside of the Jared Goff talk, what was your biggest takeaway from Brad Holmes's presser? I, I look there's a there was a bunch of stuff that yeah. I thought was really cool. Um yeah. I really thought though, like the things that kind of stood out to me was that Brad Holmes has been this this very cool, calm, collected guy for two years. Right. Yeah. I mean uh-huh. he's just been I know cool. where this is going. I know this is going, and, and yeah. Dude, and and then like all of a sudden little quips from the certain media members that decide that they want to like you know, try and be snarky. He snapped back at them. And I was like, good for you. Good for you. (laughs) He's following the head coach. Like, you know what I mean? Like this is, this is a whole organization attitude shift. Why is it? Why wasn't your 2021 draft as good as your 2022? Oh, you mean the one with Amon Ross, a Brown and Penesol that one. (laughs) Oh yeah. Sorry about that. He had some swagger to him last night. Oh, he He and listen, he's earned it. Oh, he's got. He should walk in everywhere (laughs) he goes. He should be walking around uh, with that swagger. He should walk into Indy, and people should get out of his way because (laughs) he is here. He, no one is hitting like Brad Holmes is hitting right now. Yeah, he, dude, is he is at the top of his game right now. And there there's no reason for him to change what he's doing because he's hitting, yeah. he's doing what he wants. And now you're giving him more money. Now you're giving him more picks. Now you're giving him two first round picks again. Like I'm excited. 
<laughs> I, I, I can tell. <laughs> um, and it was funny because there was one moment in the press conference when I immediately thought of you um, because you, <laughs> you two have the same sicko attitude. And it was like, he was smiling on the plane ride home from Green Bay because he was like, now I get to add the players. Oh, like, now, yeah. like that, like he's all excited for the offseason. Now I'm like, oh, you weirdos. Um, but <laughs> but I think my biggest takeaway was him talking about free agency. And I just wrote about it up on the yeah. site, um, basically saying, like, I don't think I'm going to change anything. And I, I kind of expected him to answer differently, honestly, because he's been a guy that said, like, yeah, there's there's phases to our offseason. There's phases to where we are as a team. And so you figure they're in a very different phase than they were last year. They they have a solid roster now and some depth in a lot of places. So is your free agency um, at, attitude and, and strategy going to change? Nope. Nope. We're still probably like, I'm, I'm, I'm very highly paraphrasing here, but he's like, yeah, we're probably just going to sign a bunch of our players back and you know, we'll, we'll look and if, if the right players there, we'll, we'll get someone else. But we think that re-signing of our own players are those splash moves that everyone wants us to sign other guys because those are free agents. They, those other teams could have had those guys. So we count that as a free agent signing, even though they're just retention. Right. And, and like, I think the, one of the overlying messages through both end of season press conferences was that it's about finding the right guy with the right mindset, yep. right. About the finding the right players. And so when, and, and that's a hard thing for us in our profession to project because yep. we're not, immersed into these guys we're not doing interviews with all the free agents or, or, or all the draft picks like this just not but they do right and and they are look when they're looking at these guys uh, at, at a level of detail where they're trying to find guys that have that right frame of mind like when you when they you ever you hear the other veterans on this team or the coaches and they talk about like this rookie class or the rookie class before it's it's always the same it's like there's not a single one of these rookies that is hitting the rookie wall. There's not a single one of these rookies that isn't prepared or preparing properly for a game. Like there is by the end of the season, all of the rookies were like veterans when in, in other, like where other rookies are like hitting the wall from the combine and all the exhaustive things that go into a rookie season, they seem unfazed because their mentality was there. You talk about like work ethic and like just, just the right mindset, like all of these things factor in and, and they're looking for a certain type of player, not just who's the most talented, because when you get the right mindsets together, even if you're not the more talented team, you can still come away with victories. And, and that's, that's a, that's a winning program right now. That's a, a, yeah. a method to success. And it's interesting because that, that has been a process that I'll, I'll, I'll admit I've been skeptical of um, mm -hmm. because at some point you're prioritizing, you're, you're maybe prioritizing that too much, right? Like there, there's, there's an argument to be made that if you're only getting like football guys and things like that, um, you're, you're not getting the most talented players. You're not, you're not, Sometimes you need a guy that might not fit that kind of attitude, but he's yeah. also a really freaking good football player. And that, that sometimes matters more. Um, but I kind of have to like sit down here because strategy has worked really well. Like you, you get a guy like Khalif Raymond, who everyone's like, why are you resigning that guy? He's not worth it. And he becomes almost a pro bowl punt returner and makes the biggest play on Sunday night. So um, I think this dovetails nicely into a, a question, a common question that we got from everyone, which is, Okay, well, if they're going to resign a bunch of their players that they know are the kind of character players they want, who are the undrafted or unrestricted free agents that they're going to bring back? So do we? Let's let's just let's let's lightning round it. 
which I don't know if we're, we're completely capable of knowing us, but <laughs> let's try. Um, All right. And I, I, we'll just hit like the, the more interesting guys. So Jamal Williams. I think he's, a, he's priority one probably, right? I would think so. I, think, I, I don't know think what kind they... of deal he's going to get, but I think the Lions are going to be pretty willing to give him a lot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go to DJ Chark. I think they're going to entertain it. It's going to come down to price because they're going to want to lower that price because they're already sitting on six million from him. Plus, yep. he's got he's the injury history popped up again. Yep. I think they're going to want to get him at a discount. I don't know if he's going to want to take that, uh, but he definitely does love it here. So I think conversations will be had. But I can't. I don't have a good feeling on if that's going to happen or not. That's definitely a tricky one. And, and yeah, I think you bring up a good point. Like six million of his contract from this year is actually on next year's book. So yep. um, I, I don't know if that plays into it or not, but it's it's something to consider. Uh, We'll skip Dan Skipper. Sorry. Uh, Evan Brown. I think they want to, right? The question is after two years of being a serviceable starter and maybe even playing slightly above uh, expectations, how cheap is he going to come? Like, I think they got him this year at a, at a cost much lower than most people had anticipated, right? Like he only cost $2 million. Like I don't think they're going to get him for $2 million again. So then the question becomes if you're going to give him a raise, are you okay giving him a raise and then him being a backup? Because right. there's a good chance that that might be all he becomes if they uh, bring Vitae back or if they add a guy in the draft. Like it's possible you may be giving him a raise just to to sit on the bench and as insurance. But again, that's he's a pretty valuable player. So I, I again think they will make the effort. It just is going to come out on the money. Yeah, I'm a little less optimistic on that one. Although to be fair, I was last year too, and I was kind of surprised they were able to bring yeah. him back for what they were. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he's now like a two-year starter at this point, and I think the Lions don't really want him as a starter. I think they probably want to upgrade that right, right guard position. And listen, if they don't resign Evan Brown, suddenly depth on the offensive line looks very bad. Um, they're they're going to need guys to to help fill out yeah. the you know the sixth, seventh, eighth spot on that offensive line. Um, but. Evan Brown just might be too rich for their blood at this point. Maybe, maybe just maybe you pick up a, a compensatory for him. We'll see. Um, defensive line here, uh, Isaiah Bugs. I think he's right up there with with Jamal. Like yep. he's a leader. He's a guy. Maybe he's not even a guy that starts, but he's part of the rotation. He's shown you more than what uh, again thought capable. Um, I, I, I think he's a guy you can still get at a relatively cheap price because he's Agreed. a nose tackle. Yep. Uh, and so I do think that one will get done. Yeah, I think that's probably the easiest one on the books in terms of desire to come back, in terms of uh, value here, in terms of contract. Seems very easy. Um, another guy that's certainly not going to be hard to bring back if they want, uh, John Kaminsky. Yeah, I, I don't see how does that not happen, right? <laughs> right? Like he's a starter. He's a guy that you know can even if you're putting Pascal into a into a bigger role, he can play with Pascal. Uh, he gives you so much positional versatility along that line. This is a this is an easy one. It's just a matter of is I, I, he takes a discount to come back type of thing. Certainly seems so. Um, with yeah. you there, um, Alex Anzalone. I think they want him, right? It'll probably be another one-year deal, uh, but he played better than I think he's ever played. Um, 120-something, right, tackles or something like that, ridiculous. Like, it was way up there. Um, And I don't think, like, he's going to command a ton of money. He got just, what, 2.1? I think you can get him at 2.5 probably. One-year 2.5 makes sense to me. The only thing I would say there is that he did say something about in an exit interview. He was just like, yeah, this is year six or whatever for me. And, you know, I, I do need to 
I, I do need to, you know, serve my family. I need, I need to sure. get enough money there. And I, I don't know, like, I, I do think the Lions obviously like him a lot. And I think um, he certainly likes it here. I don't think there's any question mm-hmm. there, but I think, I think at this point, he, I think, think he thinks he's going to deserve a significant pay raise. And I'm not sure if the lines are going to be willing to pay that or not. Here's the deal. Remember last season when he exited, it was a similar, similar type feeling. He was saying his goodbyes, like mm-hmm. he was gone. Yeah. And then um, it, it, he ends up coming back on a one year, relatively affordable deal. So uh, if they let him test the market, I don't think it would be the worst case in the world because um, you know, they could, spend a little bit more money, maybe try an upgrade or they might, he might find out that the market's not as uh, tangible as he wants it to be. All right. Last two here. And I'm going to lump them together just to make sure we go faster here. Um, Will Harris and Deshaun Elliott. I think Elliott's a guy that's going to want that. They're going to want to bring back because they're unclear on what Tracy's injury are. He's a leader in the locker room. Again, he brings these, this big hitter mentality. Will Harris, I think they're going to entertain, but I think Will's going to start looking for greener pastures. Yeah, man, it's tough because if if you don't re-sign Will Harris, you need to overhaul almost that complete cornerback room. And I thought Will Harris yep. played a pretty <clears throat> did a pretty yeah. good job at cor- at nickel. Um, you're, you're right; he he might be seeking a, a bigger payday and and things like that. But he's obviously a versatile piece where where the lines are comfortable putting him in multiple spots, and and he may have found his quote unquote spot um, yeah. at nickel. So um, it's an interesting one. Well, uh, it's what's interesting to me with this is that he play he's that he can be that hybrid DB role, right? Yeah. That slot that can, yep. that can, that you can utilize. Okay. Let me back up for a second. When they shifted uh, James Houston into the game and they went with more five man fronts, they took this extra safety off of the field, right? That nickel slot then becomes the de facto safety two essentially right. right that's your that's and you need a player in that spot that can play safety like that can drop back into a safety role if you get caught on the field with the wrong personnel and and Harris Harris can do that there's players that are going to be in free agency that can do that and there's also going to be players at the draft that can do that and so there's going to be options for this role assuming Aaron Glenn is you know still the defensive coordinator and so um and there's players I really like I mean like a ton Right. That I would yep. love to see them go get. So um, I don't I think they're going to my guess is that they kind of lowball him to see if he wants to come back. And I think he tests free agency. But that position is something that I do think is going to be part of the what's moving forward, because it gives them so much flexibility on the front end. If you have a player that you can put in the secondary like that. Fair enough. All right. One more before we go to break here uh, from Lions Uncensored on Twitter. What were your initial thoughts when Dan Campbell declined the offsides penalty on on uh, on third down? Was it third down? Yeah, that's a good question. I didn't really have second any. Um, at, yeah, it was second and one, and he declined it, and I was like, I was like, I, I was, I, it, I paused for a second because I didn't really, I wasn't really like understanding or if I was clear, like there was so much emotion going on yeah, in that moment sure. too that I that I don't think I fully was like processing it. Um, so my initial reaction was, oh, he declined it. All right. So it's second and one. Like, I, I didn't even think He's about the ramifications right in the moment. Yeah, yeah. Like I didn't, like it took me that stepping back. Although I saw people putting stuff and then I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this makes a ton of sense. I'm sure you, you are more in tune to that stuff. Yeah. And I'm so, I'm sure your reaction was a lot more. Yeah. Well, I, I, I pretty much knew what was happening at the time and, it, it, it was also it's also kind of obvious that the Packers 
purposely went offside. Like that guy did a bad job of selling it like as, Oh, whoops, <laughs> I went offside. And, and I think that that should set off alarm bells immediately. And, you know, I, I don't know if it was Campbell who, who knew immediately that he should decline it or if it was someone in his ear, but either way, um, the, the standard operating procedures worked and that is a sign of a good coaching staff. So nice. um, I was, I was extremely proud because I think usually when things like that happen, we, we hear it's like, it's Bill Belichick doing things like that. Right. It's, it's, and and people talk about it for days and days and say, wow, but wow, Bill Belichick's such a smart dude. Um, you know, he's 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 gaming the system. And and listen, the Packers were trying to game the system there too, right? They 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 deserve at least a little of credit for being like, okay, well, we don't want the Lions to have four more snaps, you know, second down, earning a first down, then first, second, and third to run clock. We just want them to have yeah. three, first, second, and third. So we're gonna go off sides. Good try, good yeah. effort, Packers. Um, but you you know, you're playing checkers. Dan Campbell's playing chess. <laughs> you see it. You see it like it's become more commonplace on like special teams, right? Where you purposely take taking a delay game because you want to get extra five yards or yep. punt, and then they, they decline. Like you see that more often in that situation. But it's the exact same thing. Just uh, it's 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 a lot more unusual in that situation. And it's it was very smart, very smart. Yep. And uh, kudos to Dan and staff on that. And and I. I'm so glad that happened on a national stage too, because yeah. it like we all know what the national perception of Dan Campbell is, right? It, it's he's, mm-hmm. he's a gritty guy. He he just he's a cheerleader, right? He's the guy that gets the the team motivated, and that's it. Like that's his role. Mm-hmm. People are learning. There's a little bit of depth to that character, and and I you know we saw a little bit of it on Hard Knocks. I was hoping we'd see more on Hard Knocks, but um, yeah. people are seeing that one. What he's doing, one, is not an act. That's just who he is. And two, there's there's a lot more to Dan Campbell. So I'm glad that moment happened on Sunday Night Football. But let's take a break. When we come back, we're actually going to answer some of your questions instead of just talking what we want to talk about here on the Midweek Mailbag. Uh, stick with us. We will be right back. And we are back here on the midweek mailbag first week of the off season. Uh, let's, let's jump right into some more questions here. Um, I said, we weren't going to talk too much golf on here, but let's talk a little bit. Um, our, our buddy Robo in our live chat asks if, what are the odds that Holmes adds one or two years onto golf's contract this off season? And I think this is an interesting question because a bunch of questions were asked about Jared Goff, but not about the idea of an extension. And he's got two more years. So lines don't have to necessarily do anything. He's under contract 2023 and 2024. But do you think there's a chance maybe to, to either spread out some money or, or give Jared Goff a little bit of a, a bonus for, for a job well done is on the table this off season? I, I don't know if they do an extension. It's very, I mean, it's possible. You can't rule anything out. Right. Um, but with two years at 30 million, that wasn't necessarily something that they wanted to mess with because when they did all their restructuring, they never restructured his. Right. Uh, at the same time, I could see them um, trying to restructure his contract because that would shift a lot of money into signing bonus. Signing bonus, he gets paid right up front. And so I could see them trying to do that because they could free up cap space. Now, I don't think they necessarily would maximize what a simple restructure would do. Um, 
they would free up like 16 and a half million or something like that. If they did like a full restructure. Right. Um, but That'd I could see very them, expensive next year. Exactly. He'd be like 45 or right. 40, like yeah, 46 or whatever. Right. Like it would, it would be a lot. Um, so I don't think that they would necessarily do that. Um, at the same time, I, I do think that there's some ways that you could, that you could get him some more guaranteed money yeah. as like an, an attaboy while also freeing some, some money up and a restructure could do that. Um, as, but like with the extension, it's just, it's hard to say when you're two years out and you're dealing with like $30 million contracts. And like, if you are going to restructure him, are you going to be able to restructure him at that 30 million? Cause if you're not, then you're not helping the team. You're just helping him. And so right. I don't think they would be pressed into that this season as far as a restructure um, uh, uh, a extension. extension yeah i do think a restructure could benefit both parties um yeah but they, i could also seem to leave it alone yeah and and that's and in, in case you're wondering why a restructure would benefit golf you know they could very easily get out of his contract this year and next year so if, if they move they, they would basically transfer some of that money into guaranteed money, which means he gets it in his pocket now so that if, you know, he, he struggles in 2023 and the lines decide to part ways, well, he's got that money in his pocket where he wouldn't have previously. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that that would make sense, right? That's a good job on 2022. Um, we, 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 we believe in you for this year and give you maybe a little bit longer term security because um, it would cost more in the future to get rid of you. But um, I, I mean, if, if he does it again in 2023, if he, he plays the way he did in the final eight, nine, 10 weeks of the season, mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost, almost assuredly he's getting a, 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 an extension next year. Yeah. If, if, if they're going to commit to him long-term, I, I do think that would come next year before yep. his contract expires. Right. Um, Cause he's still going to be under 30. Um they're not going to want to wait too long to where he becomes a free agent has leverage. They're also going to, you know, I'm not going to want the the quarterback contracts to get too out of hand because right. they're just going to keep, they're just going to keep going up and up and yep. up and up. Right. Um, at the same time, you don't want to hamstring your current roster by, by doing it too early. So there's a balance. I think that balance kind of will be understood more next at the end of next season. Right. Uh, next question here from Texas Wolverine in our live chat asks, are either of next year's two starting outside corners currently on the roster? I would say yes, at least one. Right now, willing to say which one it is? No. Jared <laughs> <laughs> um, Jacobs or Jeff Okuda? I'm assuming. Yeah, that's I. I think are are your front runners, right? Yeah. Um, because I don't think you can replace two. Like I think it's okay. too hard to try and do a full turnover like that, right? Um, I could see them acquire a player, hold a competition between three of them again, and let the best two kind of take it. That's mm-hmm. it would make sense that whole meritocracy that this this uh, coaching staff has. It would that would make some logical sense. So, if you want to add two outside corners and then have four of them compete, great. Uh, you want to sign one and draft one, great. Add depth. You need depth. Uh, you're going to need it beyond just the starters. So. Right. I mean, you just need bodies at this point because the only guys under contract are Jeff Okuda, Jerry Jacobs, Chase Lucas, and then Jaron Williams and, and Khalil Dorsey, two practice squatters. So, right. So you got four. 
<laughs> essentially um, three and a, yeah i mean three and a half if you count like who actually played this year right Because right. really only three of them right yep so so yeah it, it's and and we we got another question about jeff okuda as well you know what does jeff okuda need to do to stay next season to get a second contract with the Lions? seems unlikely he'd take less than a top than his rookie deal which paid him as a top 30 corner well, I don't know. I mean, he he's certainly not playing like a top 30 corner right now. He's going to get a pretty hefty paycheck. Okay. This the, the fourth year on a rookie deal when you're a top three pick, pretty significant, right? Yeah, um, and guaranteed. And it's all guaranteed. That's that's a good point. And then obviously the, right. the fifth year option is something the Lions are going to have to decide on in the next few months here. Um, yeah, let's talk about his future right now because it, it, his 2022 season could not have ended on a more confusing note. So they have between now and May 1st to decide on that fifth-year contract. Right. And so that gives them the option to go into and draft into and through the draft to, to make a decision. So if they end up saying, okay, we really like this corner, but we don't know if we're going to get him, and then they do, they can then decline to extend it. Or if they don't get that corner, they may say, okay, we're going to pick this up so we have him for another year. Right. And then – so look, trading him is it, it, there's parts of the contract that go with it, right? Like of Jeff's 10 million that he's making next year, half of it was signing bonus, which the Lions would be on the hook for half is guaranteed base salary, which would travel with him. If he was like, let's say traded, right. uh, if they cut him, they'd be on the hook for both. But um, so they have some flexibility. I don't think they're going to be in any rush to make this decision. Um, a fifth-year contract would probably be I, – I, we looked it up once uh, yeah. briefly when the two of us were talking. Somewhere in the 10 to 12. It. I think it's somewhere yeah. in the 10 to 12 range. Which is which is a lot. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you, he's going to be playing probably. Yeah, and it would also – yeah, right, also be guaranteed, right? Um, the difference, though, is that that fifth-year option, the guarantee is all base. So if you give him that fifth year option, then, and then you deal him, you don't get a penalty as opposed to if you were to try and trade him this year, there would be a $5 million penalty. Um, So if they think he's tradable, uh, if they aren't, if they're worried about not getting a guy, you could see that pick picked up um, because it gives them options at the same time. If he doesn't, get better like you know no one's gonna trade for you (laughs) right exactly so then you're kind of stuck so um the thing that that stuck out to me when brad holmes was asked about him was he said essentially jeff was just finishing his rookie season and if they're viewing it as him basically just because he only played like what 20 something games right now he's got under his belt like i could look it up but um it's which means you're just over a rookie season if they're viewing it as that, rookies tend to struggle, right? And so maybe they anticipated it, or or maybe they just weren't happy, and, and they yeah. were like, "Okay, you're not the guy for us." And and it's hard to exactly ascertain what that is, but it did stand out to me when Holmes said he was basically a rookie at this at this stage because of his injuries. Yeah, to me, there's there's not a lot of motivation to give him that fifth year option. I think it's I think it's too risky at this point because it's guaranteed because it's so much. I think I yeah. think you just. Say, all right, you're on a one-year, $10 million prove-it deal, Jeff Okuda. Prove it to us. And if you don't, you're gone after four years. If if not, if he does prove it, well, great. Now now you're in a position where 
probably gonna have to pay him significantly more than than maybe what that fifth year option was but you can spread it out right you can make it a, a three-year whatever 40 million dollar deal and, and and you know ease up on the early cap hits and things like that but it, it i mean i don't i don't I don't know what the future holds for the guy. I don't. I don't think the lines are going to cut him. Right. There's no real reason to cut him. Um, you're not going to really going to trade him at this point either. But um, to see him get benched in, in two straight games and then then miss the last one due to an injury, it's not not a promising finish to what was starting to trend in, in really in in a real good direction for him. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how he rebounds. I mean, he's a guy that's very mentally tough. He, he came back from a, a really tough injury and, and did start to play well. So I'm not mm-hmm. counting him out. Um, but mm-hmm. I think, I think, you know, chip has probably sailed on him being a lockdown corner, but not, I don't think the ship has sailed on him being even, a, I, I think, I think potential number one corner on a team is still potentially. On the the table. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. If it if they had to make a decision today, I think they would decline it. Yeah. The fact that they have a few more months to feel things out means, in my mind, they're going to take some time. Um. All right. Next question here uh, from TRM on Twitter asks, any hope for Levi Onzerike or Ifatu Melifanwu, given Brad Holmes' track record with his other picks? These two stand out for their lack of performances so far. Yeah, I, I mean, we don't know what Leva's situation is or what it's going to be. Um, at this stage, it's a sad – the sad reality is I'm not expecting him to play. If he yeah. does, that's fantastic. If he never plays it down again, that wouldn't surprise me um, because he just hasn't been able to get over that health barrier. Uh, it was, you know – setback after setback and and just everything not progressing the way that they were that they expected and for the position he plays so I, for levi i'm not expecting really anything i mean and that's that's unfortunate it's a tough tough reality but yeah that it, it's i mean back injuries are tough it, it, it took out two two or three guys on the offensive line this year yeah uh vitae and tommy kramer right um now as far as melifonu I thought he showed more promise um, in, in his second game against the Bears. Yeah, he 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 played a little bit of that kind of hybrid nickel role that we were talking about, mm-hmm. um, and I do think that he could turn into something. But he missed all of the offseason, like the entire offseason, and then he came back and then he got injured again and he missed a whole bunch of time during the season. So in the midst of a position switch, right. And, and so expectations are still very low for him. And in my mind, he's almost entering next season, exactly where he started this season, which was, this is the first year of a transit of a position switch. And, and we'll see where he goes now for iffy though, the benefit for him is that, one of his best traits is to be an off the ball guy. Yeah. Like he was, that was the, that was something he's always been really good at. And that translates to safety. So could he be safety for next year? Like, let's say they resign Elliot Kirby does well. Tracy comes back. Could he be safety for, I think that would be a realistic goal. Um, expecting him to like, start or expecting him to take over over Will Harris's role, I think is a little bit higher than what I would feel comfortable with just because I haven't seen him show me enough. Yeah. I I think, I think it's certainly a possibility. Um, I was just checking in to see, you know, he did 
a, a decent amount of special teams this year as well. And so that, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's not nothing. That's something. Um, sure. But I will say he was mentioned by Brad Holmes and not saying Brad Holmes made excuses for him, but like he was not asked specifically about Ifatu Melifano. And he said this on, you know, unprompted. He says if he had to deal with some things, but when he played, and when he played, he when he was healthy, I thought he showed flashes and spurts, and then obviously going through a position change there. So like he he mentions the hardships, he, he more or less gives excuses um, mm-hmm. for the guy and says, but when he was out there, I liked what I saw, and so yeah, and and it's hard to disagree. Like obviously, the Carolina game was a bit of a disaster. He's put in a yeah. really tough situation. Um, first first game as a starter, and and you know, just the, he was not getting help from anyone else on on. The defense either and then he comes back and, and does exactly what you want someone young to do is bounce back in a big way and so um I, i'm not gonna sit here and tell you oh yeah like he's just he's gonna slip in he's gonna be the nickel mm-hmm. everything's gonna be fine but I, I i there's there's definitely a lot more hope still for him than i would say levi a guy that you know when it, whenever he does get back on the field if he ever gets back on the field he's still he's still it's phase one right like that's the thing like not only is he dealing with a, a really serious injury, but he's just got no time out there. He, he hasn't yeah. had time to to shake off any rookie rust because he hasn't been out there. Yeah, you can you can get kind of reverse Will Harris type vibes, right? Where he's going from corner to safety, whereas Harris went from safety to corner. Yeah. And he didn't really transition into his own until like year three, lately year three into year four. You can see a similar type career arc for for Iffy. Uh in my mind, I think I'm, I'm hoping he's safety for. I'm hoping that he can get to safety that spot where he's safety for. And if he does better, great. Yeah. Um, all right. Last one. Uh, I don't remember who asked it. It was someone in our live audience asked about the Aquaras. Um, which, if any, of the Aquaras do you expect back? Now, both are under contract. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, both are under contract. Julian's on Correct. the last year of his rookie, and, and Romeo's in the uh, the last year last of his year. deal. Uh, mm-hmm. That he got, um, but obviously, I mean, we talked a little bit about James Houston. He's a guy that that's kind of usurped Julian on on the depth chart. The, no reason yeah. to cut Julian, but I guess the question more is, does he make the fifty three next year? And then with Romeo, is he maybe a, a potential cap casualty? Um, I think with Julian, he's only making like one point five million. Right. And so that's that's easy money for his type of potential and the upside. And you can always use pass rush. Right. Sure. Because if, if you do, let's say you do move on from Romeo, Julian is now one of your top six edge players and he's your primary backup for Houston. Cause I do think Houston will have jumped him on the depth chart. Yep. And so you, you're probably not very apt to move on from Julian. Julian has a, some range that you don't often get. Um, he, he's learning to drop in, into coverage. There's all yep. kinds of things that he can do. Romeo, I think, is very seasoned. We've talked at, at length before about how he used to be one of the best players on this team pre-injury. Um, coming back from injury is typically subdued. From this Achilles injury is typically subdued, and he, he was kind of subdued. Like that's that was expected. Um, so if he follows some of the patterns of edge rushers who have recovered from this injury in the past is he typically returns or gets closer to form uh, in the second year of, of that rehabilitation. So he should have a better season next year than he did, but at, at, at 14 million, 14 and a half million, that's a ton of money who is yeah. a, who a, is 
you're putting on a guy who is probably in the two deep rotation, but certainly not at a starter level guy. And then we have to talk about Charles Harris being in this mix as well. And sure. he's making almost eight. Um, you get half of that back if you cut him. Right. So like, I do, I'm not necessarily saying Romeo is going to be moved on from, but if you're going to keep Charles Harris, you may have to move on from Romeo. If you're going to keep Romeo, you may have to move on from Charles. Like it's, I I don't know if they're necessarily going to move on from both, but I do think that's a lot of money invested in reserve edge rushers. And not to read too much into tea leaves, but there were multiple times during Brad Holmes's press conference when he mentioned Charles Harris specifically in, Mm -hmm. in, in a positive light. And, and as in, I think, I think he used him as an example of we brought, you know, a guy that we re-signed, was a success story and by all means Charles Harris was not exactly a success story this year but I, th- I think he still views him very highly and mm-hmm. and and listen I'm not I'm not trying to dump on Charles Harris he was okay at the beginning of the season and then obviously the injury happens but he's cheaper he's a guy that they specific that this regime specifically signed and liked and re-signed and so I I, th- I think if I had to guess right right here right now I think Romeo is probably the the guy that you use as a cap casualty and and you keep Charles Harris. Yeah, because he's not handpicked. I mean, even though right. he was resigned by this regime, he he wasn't a guy that they picked and developed. And and that injury, there's so many questions. Bigger return if you. I mean, yeah, it's it's a tough it's a tough spot. Uh, you don't want to be in either of those spots, but at the same time. If you're bringing back Kaminsky and you're going to have a a, a, a close defensive end of Kaminsky and Pascal, then you're going to have Hutchinson and you're going to need one of those guys, Harris or, Ro- or Romeo, to back up Hutchinson. You probably don't need both. Yeah. And and that's an unfortunate uh, part of the business. All right. Uh, we're going to close things up here. Uh, there was a question here about more about broadcasting in our in our schedule and things like that. One asking if the Spotify lives are going to return. The answer to that is yes. We don't have a timetable quite on that yet, but until then we're going to continue to do these midweek mailbags. You can always join us Uh, again. We're going to move these to Wednesdays pretty regularly now, usually between 12 and 1 PM Eastern on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit help. These might continue when we do the, the Spotify lives as well, which usually those go and happen on uh, on Saturday mornings on spot the Spotify live app. So if you don't have Spotify lab app, those are called in shows where you guys actually get to join the podcast and talk to us. Um, we'll start those up in, in a couple weeks, probably. So download that app, uh, add pride to Detroit as your buddies. And, uh, and we will get, you know, kicking the off season. We'll talk more about the draft. I kind of purposely ignored all draft questions this show because I'm not quite ready. I'm still kind of in the afterglow of that Lions Packers win, but we're going to close things out here for Eric, uh, for myself. Thank you all for listening. Long fun off season ahead of us, but until then it's chaos. Be kind. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. 
It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.